It is the 13th of January, 2021, the first podcast of the year. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Life Podcast. I hope you had a good Christmas. I had a pretty good Christmas, all things considered. COVID kind of took a toll on everybody, so I had uh, nobody in my family got COVID. It's just the whole thing, oh, we, we don't want to do this because of COVID or whatever. So we had Christmas on Zoom. I uh, got a lot of good presents. Uh, Lucy Sharicia is my guest. She went to the Donald Trump rally, and we're going to have an interesting conversation. One of the reasons I brought her on is because she is uh, black, also known as African-American, although I prefer the word black myself. And she's from Kenya. She's LDS, conservative, went to a Trump rally. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about blacks and the priesthood, all kinds of things. How are you, Lucy? Good. How are you, Kevin? Good. It's great to have you on here. Um, so you're from Kenya. So were you, well, let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, were you born LDS or how did this all work? <coughs> Sorry, Kevin. That's okay. <coughs> If see if see if you have COVID, you can't you can't spread it to me because I'm here in Montana. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, I don't think that there's a way to spread COVID virtually yet. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was born in Kenya, <clears throat> and my parents moved when I was about four or five. We my stepfather worked in the government so we moved quite a bit <clears throat> also <clears throat> oh my goodness I have such an awful cough <clears throat> it's the water hold on oh it happens while you're getting a drink of water yeah. I'm turning off my iPhone um yeah so I personally thought and I usually don't get too political on here unless I'm interviewing somebody but I personally thought President Trump's speech was very uplifting. And I'm talking about the speech that he did on Wednesday, the 6th of January, before the votes came in. And one of the things we're going to talk about is Lucy was there. Um, did you get your water, Lucy? I did. Okay. Sorry, now I can better ask the question. So. Okay. Yeah, okay. So um, your, your dad worked for the government and you moved around a lot. And then what happened? Yeah, so then we ended up in D.C. So actually, I rather use the term African-American, not Black American, because I am African. Okay. <laughs> so I, it really is actually very relative when it comes to um, each individual on how they rather be called a particular, you know, coin, uh -huh. etc. But for me, I actually don't focus on race. I focus more, since race doesn't really tell us much about us, I know as a culture, we tend to think it, it does, and it's some biological definition of who you are. But in fact, it is not. Ethnicity and culture tend to give us a little more about your background. Even then, that is also the term is socially constructed, meaning that society has created the idea or concept. So for example, culture doesn't just emerge by itself there's a group of people that started. Same thing with ethnicity, they move to a different country, they start a group of people that maybe it's by religion, language, uh, traditions, etc. So that also starts ethnicity and culture. And then race, 
it's just a term of describing physical attributes like the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, etc. And at least in my research, because I, I do research, we know that it does not tell us anything. Uh, culturally, we tend to think it does based on the history of our country, thinking that, you know, Blacks should be separated here, whites should be separated here, Asians should be separated here due to their color. But in fact, it does not tell us anything. So anyways, for me, sorry, I'm going off there for a bit. But for me, it tends not to tell much. And unfortunately, as a culture, we have emphasized so much on it. That well, let me ask you this. Are you an American citizen, though? Because this this will get to my point. Yes, I am. Okay, so I am, and I, I don't, I didn't want to go down this road, but we're here. I am a white male, and I absolutely hate it when people call me a European American. I cannot stand it. Just call me an American. First of all, I was born in America. Second of all, generations ago, many people before me, and I'm talking about those in my extended family, my great great grandparents on both my mom and dad's side became American citizens. So I've, it's just always rubbed me the wrong way when somebody says African-American, Mexican-American, European-American. No, just call, call us Americans. We're citizens here. I Even, agree with that. But what's then that? I wholeheartedly agree with that. But then you have the terms like Black American, White American, et cetera. Well, really, I guess those are only two. We used to have what, yellow and red, et cetera. Uh, that's where I'm saying that's where as a culture, we tend to think that means something, but it mm -hmm. doesn't. Yeah. It's like saying I have black hair American. It's really idiotic when you think about it. Yeah. But as a nation, we really emphasize so much on race as if it's a definition of ourselves, as if it's a biological characteristic of who you are. Yeah. But culture is the one that really defines you. And so in ethnicity, but not necessarily, not everyone always follows their culture, not everyone follows their ethnicity. But if one thing was going to tell us more about you, it would be culture and ethnicity and not race. So for example, you have an Asian kid raised in the middle of Utah. And yeah. you go up to them and you say something like, tell me about Asia. That's really messed up, right? Because they weren't, they don't know anything about Asia. All they know it's about Utah. I can but see your point. Because I don't know anything about Germany. I have German heritage. I also have Danish heritage. Yeah, I can see your point. Yeah, so we focus too much on race as a definition of who you are. But what I'm saying is, believe it or not, there are countries out there where race does not link to any characteristics of who you are. So it's just a definition of your, of your, uh, oh, sorry, it's just um, not definition. It is a description of how you look like. So yeah. for them, when they say race, it would just be a form of describing that person. So in fact, they would say, oh, light brown or darker brown or black or lighter black, or I don't even know. Maybe they say the exact colors, I, I can't remember. But anyways, so it's just a description. But for us, we tend to link it with some biological characteristic, which is not true. I hope you're following. I don't know if it's making sense. Yeah, I, I yeah, okay. So, uh, let's see. We're, we're, I wanted to say something, and I can't remember what I was going. Oh, okay. So, even you know, people say, oh, you know, 
Oh, Kevin, it's really cool that you can't tell if someone's black, white, or whatever because you can't see them. I'm, I have to correct them and say, you know what? A lot of times I can tell if someone's African-American, black, whatever, by their, the, the way that their voice sounds. And yes, then I'll get, oh, you're such a racist. No, it's a, it's a way that I identify who someone is. It has nothing to do with racism. Now, am I right 100% of the time? No, I'm not. In so, fact, I know African-Americans, blacks, whatever, who sound just like white people. So I have been wrong occasionally. Or, for example, Eminem, who sounds like a black guy. When he was a rapper or singer, I thought he was a black yeah. guy. One day I looked him up and I was like, he's a white guy. But that's where I'm saying Mm-hmm. That is culture and ethnicity. It is not race. Now, race, usually African-Americans tend to go towards the African-American culture, but not always. Yeah. Right? And so that's think, true. For example, that Asian kid that's raised, that's adopted, that's raised here in Utah, doesn't know anything about Asia and doesn't have, can't speak whatever language in Asia. So it's only yeah. through exposure that you learn how to be African, how to be Asian, how to be European, etc. So that's where people get confused thinking, for example, like what you're saying, I can hear somebody who's black. No, you can't. You're hearing a culture, not black. You can't hear black. You can't hear white. You can hear a culture, that particular um, ideology or what of what they think people should talk or carry themselves, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, 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 th- I think so. I've just been able to tell. Let me give you an example. Okay, it's a good I one. used to be a customer service representative for Verizon Wireless. Uh-huh. And somebody would call in really irate at their bill or a technical issue. To the point where I could hardly rationalize with the person. Now, I don't want to stereotype here and say, but there were times I could tell that somebody was black because of the way that their voice sounded. Now, again, I've been wrong before, but what I would do when they were that mad and I, you know, do the things that I'm supposed to, I'm sorry this happened, whatever, I'll get it fixed. And they were still irate. Guess what? All I had to do is talk about music, not any kind of music, but their music. Now, I didn't say, are you black? Because that would have gotten me fired. But I did it in such, I just said, what kind of music do you like? Knowing what they would tell me. And then I would say, okay, well, what do you think of Bobby Brown? What do you think of Whitney Houston? What do you think of Dr. Dre? What do you think of Snoop Doggy Dog? And guess what? That person completely changed his or her attitude about me. It was a very interesting phenomenon. Are you still not quite understanding, though, it's not it's not because they're Black, it's because of their culture? So, for example, you asked me earlier, do I like R&B? And I'm like, I don't really listen, or uh, that's usually, you know, I like everything. Okay. So, what I'm saying is, what you're describing is culture. You recognized a culture, not a race. That's what I'm saying. You recognize the accent of a particular culture. So -hmm. for example, if somebody called you from Australia, you'd be like, well, hey, mate, you're Australian, right? You can tell by by their accent. Yeah. That is culture. So if you take that Australian kid 
you raise them in America, they have American accent. It's not like you would know that they're Australian. So what I'm saying is United States, our culture, we tend to think that race is a definition of somebody, but it is not. Culture is the one that really tech typically defines that person, but not even always. Some people could live in a certain culture and say, the heck with this. I want to be part of this. Utah is a great example. People who move here and they're like, all these morbids don't want to be part of this Mormon culture kind of deal. So yeah, I hope, I know it's a little tricky because in our nation, we're almost taught to, to, to see as race, as it meaning something. But what I'm saying is it does not mean anything. In fact, in the research world, we tend to frown on using the word race because so often it's, it's so conflicting or so confusing because we see that it doesn't really tell us anything. But if we go in a community, we can be able to say this particular community or this particular culture. Culture and even ethnicity tell us again more than race does. Because mm-hmm. that's where we become, it becomes a little dangerous. If you walk, walk into a community, let's take Eminem and he's in the black, we see that he was raised based on his, the way he talks, raps, et cetera, in an African-American culture. And so we can't be like, Eminem, why aren't you acting like your race? You know, people say that kind of crap, but they don't understand. Yeah, I would get annoyed if somebody yeah. said that to me. And they I don't, was, yeah. They don't understand that culture is the one that raises you, that makes you. It's not race. So people tend to, um, yes, we tend to see cultures have some, uh, the same kind of race, but not always. Majority of the time, yeah, but not always, right? And especially in the United States, we're seeing that change drastically. <clears throat> no one wanting to follow certain cultures or traditions, et cetera. So, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I, I see your point. Um, but let's get back to your story. So, you lived in Africa, your dad worked for the government, then how did you get to the States? So, he was my stepdad. Oh, your stepdad, okay. Yeah, so, and we just moved around because of his job. And so the next time he moved, or sorry, his job took him was in um, D.C. So that's actually where I was raised, is D.C. area, Alexandria, Virginia. That is my culture. Mm -hmm. My mom is Kenyan, and that is her culture. She was raised Kenyan. In fact, she would say things to me often like, why can't you be a Kenyan daughter? And I was like, what the heck does that mean? So how old were you when you moved to the States? Four, four or five. Okay. So, and and not until when I took some courses in college that I realized it's a clash of culture. She expects me to act Kenyan, but the only way you can learn to be Kenyan is to be immersed by Kenyans. Yeah. So I didn't, I wasn't a, good enough daughter at least in that area but um but yeah so that was a that was a little um clash there especially in our teenage years but yeah so that i I would think though because i know some people who are italian they're older than me and they seem to really embrace the italian culture because their parents made sure that they knew about the italian culture even though that they were america even yeah. though they would live here in it, but I guess uh, your parents supposedly felt that they have failed on that part for whatever reason. Yeah. So probably the reason why she did fail, which she didn't realize was she, I'm an only child and she was Kenyan. Her husband was American. 
and I'm being exposed to more American than just her. So if she had made sure maybe there's a community of Kenyans that I was also immersed in, then I would have learned, right? Yeah. But I didn't learn any of that. I didn't see any of it. I just kept hearing her nagging, which made no sense. Again, until when I got to college and I realized, holy cow, I understand. And then we were able to better communicate a lot about that. But it's because people think you're born a certain place, you are this. You're a certain race, you are this. But you're, all, you're taught all of it. You're taught, you see, and then you do it. Yeah. So what made your uh, stepdad move from Kenya to the States? What happened? Well, he was his job. We moved, he moved a lot for his job. Okay. He also, we also lived in the Philippines for his job, which is actually how I met the church, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into that. How did you get introduced to the church? So we moved to the Philippines Uh, after we moved to DC, we moved to the Philippines for about a year. How old were you? By then I was, gosh, five. So I guess I was four when I left Kenya. I was five when I was there. I was six. What year was this, by the way? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. Okay. Don't want to give up my age here. (laughs) But anyways, um, I really can't remember. But anyway, so we lived in the Philippines and then we moved to uh, D.C., when I lived in the Philippines, I had a, uh, I guess they're called nannies or um, there's people there that just help around the house, etc. Anyways, she was helping me pack and um, she put a cross of Jesus. It was one of those graphic ones where it's actually Jesus and his health, head is tilted and he has the thorns on his head and he's there's blood you know you can see the dripping blood and he looks really sad anyways so she had put a um a necklace is what it was on in one of my toy box and so when i got to the u.s and i was unpacking the toys i i found that and i was looking at it and i asked my mother who is this person and she said to me you don't know who jesus is and I was like, no, again, her assuming, right? You would just yeah. know, just know these things, right? But she had never really, we, we didn't go to church or anything. I, I'd seen pictures. I knew it was somebody important, but I really didn't know anything. So she was like, you don't know who Jesus is. And I was like, no. And that's when she realized we should probably start going to church. So um, we started going to different churches every single Sunday and it was either she didn't like the priest, I didn't like primary, just nothing seemed to like click for us. Mostly, yeah, yeah, she listened to what I thought too, if I didn't like something. So anyways, one Sunday, she just decided, you know what, we're just going to start reading the Bible on Sunday. That's how we're going to learn about Jesus and all that, you know, religious stuff. And then that same evening that she had decided that the missionaries knocked at our door. Isn't that cool? And my mom, they asked if they could come in. And my mother said, not today, but please come back tomorrow. Um, we've been looking, we've been wanting to look into this, uh, finding a church, et cetera. And so they came back and uh, my mom got baptized like a few weeks later. And uh, my stepdad didn't allow me to get baptized. He, um, he was an atheist. <clears throat> he thought that I should wait till I was 18 to make a decision like that. I was too young. So, um, so she was, she was baptized. I was not for years. I went to church. 
people thinking I was LDS. And then it wasn't until when I was 11 that they got a divorce and I was shortly baptized. And then they made an announcement at church. And I remember that day when they made an announcement that Lucy would be getting baptized, that everyone turned around and looked at me because they thought I was LDS this whole time. <laughs> I Isn't went that to- funny how that works sometimes? I've heard of situations like that happening. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, This was when you were in Virginia, correct? Yes, I was in Virginia, Alexandria, okay. D.C. area. So, um, yeah, that was a fun. They, it was a good turnout. The elders were like, well, we never had such a big turnout, but the war just wanted to support me because, you know, I was a, attending all the, you know, primary activities, church every Sunday. I was into the whole thing. I loved church and just understanding what the heck. I was one of those kids I was already asking like some deep questions at age eight. Why are we here? What's the purpose? And that was actually around the age that the elders knocked at our door. Okay. So, so to have somebody that could answer those questions, I was sold and the people were super nice and award, et cetera. So we didn't find anything issues with it, which by the way, I'm a big fan of when people who are new, et cetera, just like you know, being friends with them so that as they are trying to understand um, this particular religion that they might join, feeling like they have that support. But that ward was phenomenal for us. I don't think it was a coincidence that we were there. But anyway, since then, I've been active ever, like whole hard Mormon, true blue Mormon, whatever the term is. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So were you active? Oh, well, okay. So did your stepmom or did your mom convert to the church too, or was it just you? Yeah. So um, I mentioned that she got baptized in a few, a few, a few weeks later. Okay. Had knocked at our door. My stepdad did not, obviously he was an atheist. In fact, he would try to talk me out of it when the elders would visit. So when they did visit, my mom would try to be hush hush about it. But um, he didn't believe there was anything like a God. And he thought the Bible contradicted it, itself, etc. Now that I'm an adult, I mean, I could have better answers for him. But as a kid, I actually think I didn't. I think some of his questions were just too, too deep for me to even comprehend. So did fun. you stay active your whole life or what, what happened? Yeah, I've been active since. Okay, so then how did you make it? When did you come out to Utah and what made you come out there? Gosh, that's another story. <laughs> so I had finished school at um, uh, Southern Virginia University. That's an LDS um, school. Uh, now, for the record, that is not owned by the church, but oh, it is yeah. owned by an LDS person, and they right. have church standards. I should clarify that 100%. Yeah. 90% of the people are, are LDS, but it is not church-owned. Thank goodness. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um but that was also divinely intervention that I ended up there because that wasn't my first choice. But oh, I did what was your first choice? Uh, that's another topic. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so I ended up there. I, seriously, my life is like a big story. I could spend hours on what happened here and there. So I'm saving you areas that I don't need to share. But anyways, so I ended up at SVU. Oh, sorry. Is that what it's called? Not SVU. Southern Virginia. Yes, SVU. Loved it. It was probably the best uh, decision I ever made. Well, I guess that was God that guided me there for a lot of reasons, mostly growth and et cetera, people that were there. 
Anyways, I was looking into grad schools and I was looking um, in the East and uh, I kept feeling that I wasn't looking in the right places and every turn I would take, it was just wrong, 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 wrong. And so um, I, I started thinking, I was like, gosh, what if it's outside you? I'm in Virginia, then I'm supposed to go to school. And I was like, oh no, does he want me to go to BYU? Please say no. <laughs> and he did say no. Undergrad, I did want to go to BYU. And I realized, gosh, I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> but anyways, so um, I prayed about that. I said no. And then I heard university. I don't, I didn't know very much about Utah. I heard about University of Utah. And um, I don't know. I can't remember why I didn't want to go there either. I think those are only two schools I knew about uh, in Utah. Utah doesn't really have many schools. I know maybe Utahns probably think that way. But Virginia, that has a lot of schools. But um. <clears throat> So one day I was really frustrated by the whole situation of feeling wrong about every school. And my Relief Society president happened to run into me at the library and she, she noticed I seemed down and she asked me why. And I said, I'm just really frustrated. Like I wanna go to grad school, but every turn I keep taking, I just keep getting these strong feelings that it's the wrong, like it's wrong. You're <clears> talking whatever, about BYU, correct? Uh, no, I'm just talking about schools in general. Okay. Yeah. So, because I was looking at schools in the East, <clears throat> but I did pray about BYU and I felt wrong about that one too. Okay. But anyways, so she, um, she asked me if I had heard of um, uh, Utah State University. And I was like, yeah, University of Utah. Yes, I have. And I've prayed about that. I haven't been feeling too good about it. Oh, that's where it was. I hadn't, I hadn't felt good about that either. And she's like, no, Utah State, not University of Utah. And I was like, is that different? And so she talked to me about it. And as she spoke, I remember just feeling you should listen. And um, and I did. And I remember thinking like all these negative things, they probably don't have my program. If they do, it probably sucks, like, <laughs> et cetera. But I decided that that day I'd go and look it up online. And I was surprised it didn't have my program. And I was surprised that it was one that is in the, in the education area. It was top 2% in the nation and I was surprised just things that I kept thinking no 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 it it was it was red a oh, green light green light green light and so I called my mother and told her I was like I think I found my school she's like okay that's great and then the next day completely forgot went towards the whole Virginia schools again and uh she asked me oh two weeks later she's like what and I started getting stressed again because I couldn't figure out what school to go to. So two weeks later, she asks me, what about that school that you were so excited about uh, two weeks ago? And I was like, oh yeah, that school. She's like, I really think we should just fly out there, check it out, see how you feel, et cetera. I was like, you know what, that, that can't be bad. And the reason why I dismissed it was honestly, I didn't want to be in Utah. Um, but at least where I was raised, it just, it always seemed like Utah seemed to ruin a lot for LDS individuals. And so like, for example, endowments, I wanted to get my endowments uh, in my early twenties. And apparently a lot of Utahns were going to get endowments just to get to see their um, sister get married or whoever it is. And so oh the, yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, so the church decided to move the age where people were actually ready for it, et cetera. So I was just, I just noticed that they seemed to just ruin everything in the church for us. So I had this bitter like attitude towards Utah. 
And so I guess I just dismissed it and forgot all about it. But my mom, she played a role in just trying to uh, remind me that excitement and that feeling of um, knowing that that's where we're supposed to go. So we actually flew out and I prayed that three things would happen if, I, if, it was, if it's where it's supposed to be. And those three things didn't happen. I'm not coming here because <laughs> I was like, I have to fly all the way out here and live somewhere I don't know and et cetera. I'm not doing it. You make sure these three things happen and I'll be here. And to be honest, I didn't even think those three things would happen. I thought they were far-fetched, no way, et cetera, but they did. And, um, and, I, and I was just like, and one of them was if make sure that when I'm on campus, that at some point I feel very strongly that this is where I'm supposed to be. It's top notch, uh, top 2% in the nation. Uh, the department that is, uh, when it comes to research, et cetera, it's like one of the best in the nation. I had no idea about that. But anyways, so. I didn't either. Yeah, it's a great school. You always have to look at the programs. People focus too much on just the name brand. It's like, you need to yeah. know what it, like what they're good at. Their pro- for example, BYU, Mormons are like, I want to go there. Well, if it's, for example, education, that's a great example. It's like not even on a hundred top best places to be to go <laughs> yeah so. for the record i didn't go to byu either and I'll, t- I'll tell you i'll tell you why yeah by the time i moved out of my parents house i was 24 and i thought you know i went to training in louisiana to deal with my blindness and all that and i thought i'm not going to let someone give me a curfew as to when i have to be back on campus i'm not going to let somebody tell me when i can or can't grow facial hair i'm 24 years old i'm not going to be treated like a 13 14 year old <laughs> that's why i didn't go to, i could have gone to byu easily but i that's why i didn't go carry on oh, well good choice <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because I talk to people who go to BYU or have been to BYU. They either like it or they don't. There's nothing in between. I had a good friend that went there and she left and she was an atheist afterwards. So you're right. It's like a dislike. But sometimes it works out great for people. I don't want to say it doesn't work out great for people, but I don't like that culture of thinking it's only best school for you when it may not be probably is not and even when it comes to a program you need to make sure that it's actually you know one of the best so anyway or you could do the thing that most people do get their undergrad at byu and then go on get their phd elsewhere or something yeah yeah that's also good i you do what you do you right don't follow trends don't follow culture yeah cultures are just people making up rules and you're just following it. Like you're not even thinking about it. By the way, uh, if you don't mind me asking, just because I, I want to keep this timeline, what year did you come out here to, or out to Utah and go to, cho- you chose to go to Utah State? What year was that? So that was 2008, I think. Oh, okay. So that. what did you think of Logan? Because I have to ask, and I don't want to get... I don't want to sound like a bleeding heart liberal here, but I have to ask, how did you feel in Logan being, I'm just going to use the word, uh, being African-American, black, how did that feel? Because you're around a whole bunch of white people. Well, that's Utah in general, right? (laughs) Yeah, but did you you feel like an outcast? Because you went from Virginia 
where it's very multiculturally diverse. <laughs> yeah, so when I first moved to uh, Logan, um, I, I was surprised how, in fact, I remember saying, where's the rest of the world? Like, <laughs> I was like so confused why there were so many white people everywhere. But um, I got, you know, I had some friends that had lived in Utah, et cetera. And I, I remember calling them and being like, I feel like every person I meet is the same person. Like, it's the same story. You felt, it, well, you felt that way? Yeah, I felt like it was the same person, like the same story, same background. Because in D.C., I mean, you're meeting people from different backgrounds, different religions, dif different ideologies, different, just everything. And yeah. so my friends would tell me, oh, just dig deeper. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> But anyways, uh, I actually ended up loving Logan, uh, those years of my um, of grad school. Again, if you focus too much on race, then it, it cripples you to really love or open your heart towards people. Right. Yeah. And so I was very open. I'm just I'm just a very, you know, easygoing like I, we're all children of God. People focus too much on stupid things because of past history, et cetera. And I, I wasn't one of those people that focused too much on race, but it was really weird that uh, jumping from such a very cultural, diverse place to barely anything. And it was really interesting to see my friends who were from Virginia coming to Utah and would say the same thing who were white. And so I was like, ah, okay, so it's normal, regardless, you know, like, I was like, they're, they're feeling the same way, even though now they're, you know, with their own race much more in extreme level. It, even with me, when I went to Kenya and um, I visit there with my mother and obviously majority of people there are uh, black. That's a race, right? Black. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the thing. We have to describe what it is, race versus culture. That's where I get, I, it's when people get confused, defining race as, a, as who you are, but you can define, you can use black if it's a definition of how they look. But anyways, so most of the people... Actually, I want to talk to you more about that off the podcast because I have a question when we're done, but go ahead. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of individuals, the race that were black. And I remember being like, again, that same feeling, like, where's the rest of the world? Like, <laughs> So I just think it's funny how our brains just adapt to our environment without us even recognizing or realizing it. And so... Um, that um that happened in logan but it was great experience had a lot of fun grew a lot uh, educational spiritual emotionally etc it's a college town i would not live there anymore because i'm out of that college mentality um doing my own thing now obviously teaching i'm a, a professor at uh uvu uvu and slick busy girl over here um, but I, I loved it. You know, I didn't, most, yeah. people, most people are not racist. Go figure. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And, I didn't know that. <laughs> and well, that I, I have to say though, I really, I almost, uh, I came close to going to Utah state and I never went cause I couldn't pass the Miller analogy exam, mm. but I have to say, I really like the mentality of those that live in Logan, Tremont, and Preston, Idaho, that whole area. There's something very, I don't want to say spiritual, but there's something very unique about the class of people that live in that whole area. Yeah, well, there's something unique about every 
place. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just coming from the standpoint of it's very rural, very conservative up there, I, I oh, guess yeah. is where I'm coming from. Yeah, so it's rated as number one, two safest place to live in the nation. Like Logan is as safe as a, I did crazy things that I would never do in DC. For example, I'd walk home like after, you know, staying on at the library or like at some lab or something, studying for something. Oh, till yeah. like night and would walk home by myself in the dark. Do I recommend doing that now ever? No, but that I'm just expressing to you how safe I felt. Obviously, I didn't do it often, but I would just never, you'd never catch me doing that. That would just be insanely stupid. It's still pretty stupid to do it in general, but you could get away with it in Logan. Or here's another really stupid thing I would probably, I would not do today, but again, expressing how safe it is. I didn't have a car in Logan. Logan has a, it has a good transportation system. Extremely good. Yeah. And it's all free. Yeah. So it's also very unheard of. Obviously not free. It's free because they get a grant from Utah state. That's why. Oh, is that why? I've always wondered. Because it's something about the air, et cetera. And it's probably best to have. Okay. But anyways, yeah, it's one of the worst qualities of air. Uh, but one of the safest places to live. <laughs> but anyways, um, so I figured I, if any place I could do fine when it, when it comes to uh, transportation. And uh, and so I did. I would catch a bus, et cetera, um, that ran pretty easily around that whole area. But I remember a couple of times I would have uh, groceries and I was like, oh, I'll just walk home. And like people would stop to ask me if I needed a ride home. And I would say yes. Typically, I would not do that anywhere okay and i yeah. don't encourage anyone to do that etc but that's how crazy amazing uh laid back it is or even i'll see kids just like walking home from school with no parents etc you would never see that anywhere but it was just so like safe in that in that way so there's something you know uh nice about logan uh, I don't know how it is now. This was years ago. Well, not too many years ago. I'm sure it hasn't changed drastically, but but nevertheless. Uh, Guess who lives near Logan in uh, Preston? Uh, who? Glenn Beck. No way. Yep, he owns a ranch up there. Now, he doesn't live there all the time, but part-time. Wow. Yep. I'm a fan. He's a good man. Um, yeah, which- we, uh, we'll talk about Glenn Beck after. The- I, I, well, we won't go there right now. Are you not a fan? No, but it's because of how he treated the Bundy family. That really made me, that really irked me, especially since I know them personally. But we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. That does lead us to uh, how I became Republican. (laughs) Well, let me ask you, though, I I have to bring this up. What do you think of blacks and the priesthood they didn't get it until 1978 brigham young did not say complimentary things about black people what what is your take because i'd be very curious to know you being a black person yeah so um and i think i mentioned to you that that's something i i wouldn't mind discussing and would love to discuss because i feel like that's something that's not touched on um, so when I was first looking into the church, obviously when I was younger, I just liked the feeling. I liked the joy of being there. People were nice. He answered my questions where I, as a child of why am I here? What's my purpose? Like it met uh, the basic needs. When I became a teenager, I started asking even deeper questions. <clears throat> and I started to dive a little further. And one of the things was priesthood and blacks. And I was like, why would that happen? Like, that's really messed up. So I dug further into it 
And I don't know if you know this or if a lot of people know this, but Joseph Smith actually gave the priesthood to several African-Americans. Yes, he did. I think Elijah Abels was the first one to receive it. Yeah, it wasn't until Brigham Young came along that he actually banned African-Americans to get the priesthood. Yes. So then I looked more into Brigham Young. If you don't know anything about Brigham Young, Brigham Young was racist. He said a lot of racist things. I think a lot of people think that, oh, once a prophet, you're a god. He was a product of his time, of his era. Oh, absolutely. He just was influenced by his culture. There we go again, culture. And, Actually, uh, you want to know what I think. There's a book about uh, blacks and the priesthood. I haven't read it, but I had heard about it. I think because uh, if you read that book, and again, I haven't read it, but I heard the author being interviewed on a podcast. Brigham Young was actually very quick to defend black people while they were coming to Salt Lake, the people that received the priesthood, whoever. I think what happened, and I, I still don't understand you know, what exactly triggered a whole bunch of emotions other than I do know that there was a black person who was in Utah who came over with the saints and was getting very promiscuous with some of the women. Brigham Young heard about this, and he also heard about this in the black culture, and I think that's where he started to have negative opinions on black people because he was pretty quick to defend the race when, uh, during the time from Illinois to Salt Lake. It was after the fact. I don't know what you've read, but what I've read is that that man was 100% racist. He would say things like, you marry a black person, you're going to go to hell, uh, they will never receive the priesthood. Uh, he was like a hater. And you could call people as they are. He was racist, but that was a part of his time. I don't know what was happening, like what you're talking about. Uh, I know, that's really odd to me because since African-Americans, how the heck could they sleep around with people considering that they weren't allowed to really do that? But I'm not going to say that was a thing or not a thing, but I do know he was 100% racist. Does that make him less of a prophet? No, it makes him a human. And are they prophets that make mistakes? Yes. In fact, that's one thing that I wish people could understand. Prophets are not gods. The only walking God here was Jesus. Everyone else is trying their best. Even mm-hmm. Uchtdorf said recently in the general conference that the church is not perfect because it has imperfect people. Yes. So it's like we like this idea of a very black, white idea, ideology that, gosh, good, bad, you know, like we don't understand there's a gray and there's lots of it. And um, but that doesn't make people necessarily bad. It just makes people human. Have there been mistakes, including the blacks and the priesthood in the church? Yes. Should the church be more open about it? Yes. I think that's where uh, obviously they don't hide it, by the way. All of that. All information is there. Nothing's ever hidden. It's just we don't talk about it in the church because we almost have this idea. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be beautiful. Things started out beautiful. The church just started out. Uh, with Joseph Smith and everything landed wonderful. Like that is a bunch of crap. And that just doesn't happen on earth because this is earth, it's imperfect. So I think if we were more open about those imperfection and then we talk about how we could learn about it, et cetera, I think that'd be much healthier for individuals who tend to find the truth at some point and feel like the church has been lying to them. It hasn't been lying to them. It's all there. We just don't talk about it. So, but anyway, so that's my feelings. Oh what I know when it comes to the priesthood, et cetera. Uh, yeah, they were wrong. I mean, Brigham Young was wrong. It wasn't until, who is it? 
Spencer Kimball, whatever. Um, was it Kimball? Uh, yeah, it's Kimball, Spencer Kimball, uh, 1978, that he, you know, he finally said, hey, we've been praying and this whole black and the priesthood thing is really messed up. Like, let's change this kind of idea. So, and it wasn't until when he decided to actually take it to the Lord that the Lord was like, yo, it is messed up. <laughs> but again, we'll follow culture and ideas, again, created by other people. And don't question it until somebody who is a good leader actually questions or thinker. Yeah, there's a podcast called The Cultural Hall. And I think the book is called um, something about blacks and the priesthood. I don't remember who wrote it. But the, the, this guy was interviewed on the Cultural Hall podcast. This would have been back in, I think, 2015 or somewhere, if you wanted to go look that up. That was the book I was referring to. But yeah, Brigham Young, you're right. He did say a lot of uncomplimentary things about uh, Black people. And, you know, people say, oh, well, Brigham Young shouldn't have said that. There were abolitionists back then. Well, yeah, if what I've read is true about how he heard about oh, black people, this black people, that I could see where he would get an unfavorable opinion. Not that he was right, but I could see how that could easily happen, especially since a lot of uh, slavery was around back then and prejudice was more accepted back then. Yeah. I could see how he would get those ideas. Yeah. What was a book or who was the person that wrote the book? You're talking I don't know. I'll have to get back to you. I, this is when I wish I had staff on my podcast because I could have a staff member look it up for me while we're talking. No, no worries. Do you know who the author was though? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so now let's get to how did you get from being a liberal to a conservative? Wow. My life is just so exciting. <laughs> 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 so um, I was raised in D.C. D.C. is very liberal. Uh, when I say D.C., oh, yeah. way, people get confused because I, I say I'm from Virginia and then they're like, but you said D.C., so let me clarify that for the people who... Where in Virginia are you from, though? Alexandria, Virginia. So, oh, yeah, that's really close to D.C. I've been to D.C. Yeah, it's called D.C. Metropolitan Area. So, Did you how, ever take the metro? Oh, yeah, all the time. It's a, a big yeah. Anyway, that's a fun train. It is. But oh, yeah. to clarify for people who don't quite understand that, D.C. Isn't, doesn't belong in a state. It's not in Maryland no, it or, doesn't. Virginia or West Virginia, but it's in the middle of all of those three states. D.C. is actually about as big as West Jordan, isn't it? It's not a very big yeah, place. Very, very small, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of people that work there. And obviously that area for the whole entire nation to operate has to take over places in Virginia, West Virginia, and Maryland. And so that's Northern Virginia area um, and the other parts of Maryland and West Jordan. Oh, sorry, not West Jordan, West Virginia. And so those areas that it does take over, it's called D.C. metropolitan area. So we see the metro there. We see a lot of politicians, et cetera, people that work in D.C. live in those areas. So when I say D.C. is because that's what we call it, D.C. area. Uh, if I, it, but typically it's always dangerous for me to say Virginia in general, because sometimes people will think like Southern Virginia Southern oh, Virginia yeah. has a whole different culture than Northern Virginia, right? Like yep. Southern Virginia is the accent, Southern accent. I say Northern Virginia or DC area because I don't know anything about the countryside. 
accents and that kind of lifestyle. But Obviously. but you're right. It's it's very liberal over there. I've been there. Yeah. So North Virginia is very very liberal. Obviously, Southern Virginia is not. So again, yeah. if you don't know this, Virginia actually thought about separating, like becoming two different states because it's so drastically different. But anyway, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea. But carry on. <laughs> But it's already a small state, so it's like, how much smaller can you get? I guess it's Rhode Island, right? That's pretty small. But anyways, um, so I was raised in D.C. area with the whole, and I would say more, I, I would say to people, oh, I don't swing left or right. I'm more in the middle. I don't think, you know, Republicans or Democrats are right. But if I were to lean towards one, it would definitely be Democrats. So really, it was like, I was in denial, really, how it is in our nation. If you don't pick a party, the Democrat pretty much tells you that you're a Democrat. <laughs> Reason being is because they own pretty much every freaking news media, social media. I don't think people realize how much power Democrats have. I know they come off as like, we help the poor and we're poor. That is a bunch of crap. Like <laughs> they do the exact opposite. But anyways, um, they have a lot, a lot of money, much more so than the Republican Party. But um. So how did I end up being a, a, a Republican? A conservative. Let's just use the word conservative because there's a lot of rhinos out there. <laughs> uh, really, it was really just COVID uh, when we went under lockdown. This is all new, right? This was earlier last year. Yeah. Um, when we went under lockdown, I was shocked that we would close down a freaking nation and then yeah. made a whole freaking country over a disease that we had no data on, all speculation. If you know anything about research, talk about bad, bad research, you know, bad uh, data. So well, I will say this, even though I am a supporter of Donald Trump, I think he made a big mistake by declaring disaster and giving states money with a memorandum of understanding. That was a very big mistake on his part as much as i like donald trump that was one of the bad things he did in my opinion yeah or even like shutting down a whole freaking nation but yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what he was winging it it was a new thing he didn't know and in fact if you remember he went back and forth about every decision it must be so hard to be a president you hear all these voices left and right nothing like this has ever happened um he's trying and he did really try if you remember he tried not to shut down the nation everyone gave him crap well, yeah, he, he actually let the governors decide. But the reason I think it was a problem, though, is because he promised, you know, these states would get money if they shut down with the memorandum of understanding, meaning, okay, if I'm going to shut down my state, I have to tell retailers that customers have to wear masks. I have to follow was, these procedures. Otherwise, I won't get my money. That's why I said that was a very big mistake on his behalf. Trump. I know that later on, obviously, he did the exact opposite. He was like, yeah. I'm not going to get anything if you don't open up kind of deal. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that if that was a thing, if that, he did that. If he did, I feel that was a really poor decision on his part. Um, but again, I think it would be a really hard spot to be in. And I think he tried his best and really tried to, after he was learning more about it and realizing, gosh, we made a mistake by doing this. Um, I think it was, it was too late, but he definitely tried to, uh, to try to fix that. 
But anyways, so it was a whole COVID thing <clears throat> where it just, I just couldn't believe that we could be that stupid to do that. And I know some people are like, but the disease kills people, et cetera. I'm like, we have lots of diseases. They kill people. We don't shut them down, and especially on something we don't know anything about. Just It just blew yeah. me away. Maybe because I'm a researcher. I don't know, but I was just like, this is insane. Like, I just felt like people just became stupid overnight or like was landed in some country or planet and that was no longer my earth so because of that i started thinking concerning COVID, and every article i would turn not every but most everything would lead into politics and i was like what i'm not looking for politics i'm looking to get information about COVID." anyways so um of course later on i fast forward there was a lot of links with politics and COVID. <laughs> Uh, uh, we probably don't want to get too much into that, but um, that's where I, I started diving further into understanding about our two parties, our two, so it pretty much just became this like rabbit hole deeper and deeper and deeper. I realized I learned nothing in school when it came to the government, when it comes to history, when it comes to anything, we were shut down. Uh, my classes, I taught went online. I was home. I couldn't, you know, I was just grading. So I was like, this sucks, but it gave me a lot of time to do a lot of research. I became obsessed for months, for months, because I realized that what I thought was reality wasn't reality. And what I thought that what I knew wasn't what I knew. And I realized that what I knew was just based on what I was hearing on the news and who owns most news outlets, Democrats. So I'm only hearing one perspective, one narrative, yep. one idea. And so when I started reading more about Republican or conventional or conservative ideas, I already believed a lot of that. I already like, even in class, I'd bring up subjects that were very hot topic, like white privilege, for example. And I was like, do you realize we don't really actually have any research on that? I mean, the research we have, because it is research, but it's just research data that proves their point, but not actual like experimental research. How can you even do experimental research on white privilege, you know? And so yeah. we'd have discussions about it. And I was like, there's nothing in the United States that stops you from being anything except yourself. That's why United States is so amazing. This whole white privilege thing is sounds more racist than it does sound anything uh, beneficial. Like, what the heck is that teaching people your privilege? Like, that sounds racist. Yeah, it like, sounds very here? divisive to me. Yeah. So I would already like all that stuff. I already would teach or I would talk about it or bring it up as a discussion, et cetera. Uh, all these ideas when it came to conservative ideas, I believed in it, you know, uh, poor life, all of it. Little did I know I was already a conservative, but I just always thought the Democrats were the good guys. I should follow Democrats. Democrats, they care about people. Democrats help people. They don't care. They care about money. They care about power. They care about you hearing their crap, not hearing another perspective kind of deal. So anyways, I became hardcore about it. And obviously I post a lot about it on Facebook, et cetera. And then that led me to um, Trump's rally recently. Yeah, let's talk about uh, President Trump's rally. You went there and what happened from your perspective? Yeah, so first of all, can I just tell you what you hear on the news is a bunch of crap. Yes, people did break in, but uh, let me tell you my, uh, my, yeah, my side. So 
I was there. It was probably the most peaceful thing you would ever see. It was just most all of us talking about, oh, we came from Idaho, California, Nebraska, Missouri, like all over the states for this, right? And when they say it was a, a couple hundred thousand, I'm like, dude, it had to be like a million. It was so packed. I'm from DC area. I've never seen it like that. I heard it was two hundred thousand, but it yeah. could have been higher than that. I I know for sure it was much more. I think okay. I've heard somebody else say, oh, it was 500. And I'm like, I feel like it was. Oh, more. no, it was much more than that. 500,000. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Even, I've never seen that before. I've never seen it was packed everywhere. But anyways, so um, he gives a speech, which was amazing. Phenomenal. He was an hour late, by the way. And um, we, we waited, obviously, because we were there. <laughs> and then his speech was about an hour. And then apparently there was going to be another speech. Because for the last two days, there were speeches from um, great um, conservatives or uh, leaders um, in our nation that were there. So we were moving towards the Capitol to, um, you know, to hear another one. So we get there and um, there's like these people at the very top, I guess, I don't know what's happening if they're like trying to build add to the capital or change some things about the cap but anyways they're i don't know what they're called but you can climb up and you're really high <laughs> i don't know it's like a tower kind of deal but anyways there were people over there and they're like come closer to the capital come closer if you want to make a change in our in our nation and i remember being like why would that make a change in our nation like I'm here for a speech at least that's what I was told what else is happening here but anyways, so then not too much longer, we hear that they're, they're, um, that some people were getting in and that there is, um, what is that stuff? Gas, uh, what is that? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That goes in your eyes. Oh, pepper spray? Is it pepper spray? Yeah. Whatever. Um, but anyway, so they released that and uh, we could see it and, um, we were obviously there was a lot of people, so we were quite a bit far. And so I remember thinking, I don't know what's happening, but this doesn't sound very good. But most of us were just like standing there, just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And so then we get a text from somebody, uh, his husband, and they say, Hey, there's people going in the Capitol, and there's word that, that, that Antifa is there. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like, because, you know, Antifa has been a lot of riots and uh, um, protests this last year. And so I was like, why would they not be here? So honestly, we just booked it. We were like, oh, we don't want to be part of this. See ya, peace out (laughs) kind of deal. But um, I would tell you, when I was there, nothing, most people, 90 something percent of us, 99 something percent of us were just standing there wondering what's going on. And obviously there was a group of people that did go in and um, and um, news obviously doesn't cover this, but there's a lot of videos where Antifa are there and they're the ones that are leading the pack, right? They're getting people really hyped up and they're like, la, la, la. Um, we need to make a difference. We're going to break in. And they're the ones that are actually, if you see the videos, uh, not by mainstream media, where they're the ones who are actually breaking into the windows, et cetera. And you see some uh, Republicans also stopping them and realizing what, that what they're doing is not good and it's Antifa. But of course, you don't hear that, right? Because the Democrats own most of mainstream media. 
But anyways, uh, my overall experience was that it was really peaceful. People were really good to each other. We were nice. We were just hoping the best for our country. That whole capital um, ordeal wasn't the um, well, it wasn't the real like full experience of the whole entire uh, those two days, or especially even that day. And it's too bad that mainstream media just decided to blow that out of um, proportion. But um, yeah. Okay, so so you went to the Capitol and you didn't hear any shooting going on, but you, I guess, your friend's husband texted you, and obviously there was a, a shooting. That person, Ashley Abbott, was killed, but you didn't witness anything, correct? Um, we were way too far. Majority of us were way too far, and uh, yeah, when we got that text, and we also were starting to hear, you know, how people just like people talking, talking. I think in device here, kind of deal. And so uh, that was really our information was actually people outside from the Capitol because we did know like there's there were so many of us. Right. And a lot yeah. of us were waiting to hear a speech. We just just didn't know what's happening kind of deal. And so to say that all the people were there were like haters and all this crap. I'm like, oh, my gosh, just stop like. So I heard a report, and I wanted to run this by you. Well, first of all, I read, and I know this for a fact, Mo Brooks from Alabama was warned a few days earlier about protesters coming in. Now, I didn't say Antifa or any of that, but I did read somewhere where there was a busload of uh, Antifa people. Now, is it Antifa? Now, Obviously, the mainstream press isn't going to talk about this. This is why I don't, I don't pay much attention to the mainstream press, other than sometimes I might listen to them to hear what the other side is thinking. But one paper, and this is not an advertisement, but one paper that I'm really liking over anywhere else right now is the Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H Times, the Epic Times. In fact, I think... Uh, yeah, all, there, there'll be a, there's a link in the show notes by the time you hear this podcast. So that's not the only one. That's one of my favorites. But one of the papers, it was uh, worldnetdaily.com, did mention that Congressman Mo Brooks was, known about, was notified about this, and so were other congressmen. Some of them were sleeping in their offices at night for this very purpose. Did you hear anything like that? I didn't. They were sleeping in their office. What do you mean? Yeah. Also, Ashley Abbott. Let's go back to Ashley Abbott. There was a cop that was in the stairwell. He came in uh, to the Capitol building. My understanding is he barged in and went into the stairwell. And Ashley was nearby and she got shot. Did you hear that story? Yeah, there's a, there's a video on it, which was, I mean, there's this whole like, out of all the people that cop could have shot, why did he pick this woman? <laughs> like, like there was mostly men there and he picked this woman and they only shot once kind of deal. It was, uh, I don't even want to get into it, but it was, it is. Well, I guess all you have to do is uh, be a conspiracy theorist, right? Because she posted on the cue board. She was a very strong patriot that made her a conspiracy theorist. Heaven forbid you post on cue. Now, I don't believe everything that Q says. In fact, I've been to those boards. Some of it's a little out there for me. 
But just because you post on those doesn't mean that you're a conspiracy, a conspiranoid, uh, to quote yeah. LVJ. Well, what's happening today is like, if it isn't fitting the narrative that Democrats want to hear, want you to hear, then it's marked as conspiracy theory, right? So yeah. whereas before, you could have any speculations, you could have any thoughts, you could talk about anything, whether it's true or not give it time, investigation would look into it, et cetera. But now it's like, no, the news said, if you think anything differently, there's something wrong with you. Conspiracy kind of deal, right? And so it's like, it's really odd the time, the era we live in. And I, it's just so scary that people don't even see that what's happening is what happened in the past to change a nation. Yeah. Um, uh, like just really fast, I won't go too far into this, but I was reading um, some information because I told you I drove so far when it came to trying to understand what the heck is going on with the country. And so I looked into history too, and I was reading some stuff about Hitler because if you don't know, Democrats are very big when it comes to socialism. They don't hide it. You know, I hate when people are like, that's not true. I'm like, dude, the party of socialism is Democrats. Like Google it, like there, it's there, right? No. They've talked. Not et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Saunders, uh, what's the name? Um, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, yeah. yeah. Straight out. But anyway, so I was like, what is socialism, right? Because we don't even learn any of this in school. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to look into socialism and communism and because we were a capitalist culture country. And so socialism is like this awful, awful thing that Hitler supported and was a big fan of it. Uh, pretty much is the whole idea that, you know, there's uh, certain people that are in power, um, this whole idea, because people will be like, we need a, we need to have our first black woman, vice president, then president. I'm like, if we go into socialism, there will be no such thing. Like no one has no voice anymore. Your kids cannot go and um, apply or uh, try to be a president anymore. It's just you're, you're already elected kind of deal. But anyway, so I'm looking into socialism, et cetera, looking at how it even became a thing in Germany, et cetera. And one of the things that um, Hitler did was he made sure that he took over all news outlets. So they only heard one story, one narrative, one idea, his information. You know what's happening today? The exact same. Yeah, big tech. And people tell me, I get into debates on this with Facebook. Oh, big tech, uh, they, you know, they're a privately owned company. They yeah. Can do with it. Well, in theory, yes. What, like, are you talking about media like Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Facebook Ooh. and Twitter, YouTube, okay. Google. Yes. In theory, I support that. But when these companies are getting huge subsidies from the government yes. and when they're under Section 230, they're immune yes. from assumption of liability. Yeah. It's kind of reminds me, you know, and then big tech, it's all owned by just a handful of people. It's very similar to the phone companies back in the day when you and I were children. The Well, I don't know how much older you are than me, but when I was a kid up until about three years old, I believe, in 83, I believe is what it was, President Reagan deregulated the phone company, AT&T. Why? Because they were a monopoly. Well, big, yeah. we're seeing the same thing. So that whole First Amendment thing or the the companies have a right to do what they want goes out the window when you start looking into it. Yeah. Yeah. And that one is a poor argument for me that the Facebook, et cetera, Twitter, it's a private company, can do whatever the heck they want. We 
freaking they have freaking library from the government. We freak our money, our money goes towards the government. And that section, at least, we're paying for something, right? Nothing is free for in the government. And so no. here I am being censored for something that I pay for and it's protected by the government. So I can't even sue them if they do something that I don't like, if they delete something that's important to me, et cetera. What did and you also, put on Facebook? Oh yeah, yeah. So I didn't tell this. So I put my experience on Facebook. This was like two, what was it last week? Gosh, time flies. Uh, about the whole Trump rally. And pretty much I just put pictures of us, you know, having fun, meeting people. Um, and then I wrote saying that overall the Trump experience or Trump rally experiences was positive. Um, I know mainstream media is making it seem like it was this awful takeover of the Capitol kind of deal, but majority of us were peaceful. 99% of us were just nice people, just, you know, wanting to support liberty in our nation. And so I just wrote that and I said that they're in Antifa, you know, we've heard that Antifa was there. That's probably my only sentence that me, I was like, okay, whatever. But that's really all I wrote. Lucky one of my friends took a picture of it. But anyways, they deleted that off Facebook. They deleted my pictures, they deleted my comments about it was a peaceful kind of deal, et cetera. I was shocked. I was shocked because it's not like I wrote, we should take over the Capitol and evil, you know, whatever people that need to be destroyed. I didn't write any of that. I just wrote my experience, what I saw, et cetera, and Facebook deleted it. So I was shocked. I mean, I heard them censoring things, but I didn't think it would happen to me. So of course, all my friends is like, just repost it kind of deal. And I'm like, you're right. I can't just repost it. So I repost it. And guess what happens? They they blocked me off Facebook. (laughs) They were like, what you're posting is is dangerous to the community. <laughs> I'm like, what is dangerous about sharing my experience? You know, that-, that How long was, were you blocked off Facebook? So I, I, have, I was blocked, like I couldn't comment, I couldn't post for 24 hours and then 30 days restriction of like certain things I cannot do on Facebook because of my post, my little post of experience saying it was a good, rally people were peaceful at a good time and mainstream media isn't covering or you know showing you the whole picture of this delete it i'm like what the heck and then not just delete it blocked (laughs) so anyways that was um i mean i already knew a lot of corruption was happening but that that one definitely hit home in levels that for me it was very invasive because it was my account is my experience. It was my friends. I'm sharing it with them. And they were like, nope, you can't do that. Because well, the community. a couple things here. First of all, it's funny. The liberals talk about free speech. And I've come to realize over the last four years, what freedom of speech to a liberal is, is approved speech. Yeah. Yeah. You well, have freedom of speech, but you better... It's only free if you agree with us. In other words, it's approved speech. Yes. And, you know, I think this has been going on for quite some time, but it's really been obvious in the past four years. In fact, if there's any positive things that have come out of these last four years, other than, you know, other than Trump, Trump did a lot of good things. 
But as far as the liberals' attitude, if there's anything positive, I, th I don't think that they have disguised themselves like they used to because they can't. Yeah. They have way too much hatred for Donald Trump. They can't yeah. disguise it anymore. Yeah. And I don't understand why people don't see it that if you have hate towards somebody, you probably need to check yourself. Like, yeah, you, you need to really see what's going on with you. And, but I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of people hate a lot of haters and it just makes me sad that, um, that they're being they're falling trap for it because we know that anything that's good that comes from God brings love, peace, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're on the right track, you would not feeling like you would not be feeling hate and wanting to destroy somebody or um, having all these like uh, feelings of bitterness towards anyone. So that's how I recheck my I check myself. In fact, when I was doing research, you can find anything right now you know, good, bad about Democrats, good, bad about Republicans. I'm like, who do I believe? What the heck? And so it was just like my search when I was trying to figure out if the church was true or not. Mm -hmm. I prayed and I was like, Lord, if this is a thing, if you're real, like you got to guide me. I can't just like follow. I got to know for myself. And I would read things. Um, um, I always go to primary sources. So obviously I read a lot from the church and stuff and I was surprised all the bad things that happened. Again, the church doesn't hide anything but we just don't talk about it. And I was just like, how, why would you let this happen? You know, I'll talk to God about it and pray, et cetera. And he would lead me in places or uh, articles or people, et cetera. And it would be a confirmation in my heart. That is good. You know, I feel the spirit, not feel good. So when I was looking into this whole, like what's going on in the nation, same deal, dear Lord, please guide me. There's too much this and that, what is truth? What is not kind of deal. And the party of hate, of dislike, of like not hearing voices, et cetera. I just never felt good. I just was like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense, you know? So, but I think people have lost that idea of letting their spirit, their intuition um, guide them. I think that is a big part on knowing truth, especially now in these days. And that's why President Nelson really hit recently you know before all of this happened he was like revelation you need to understand the importance of revelation at this time and i really feel god tried to really inspire him to speak that because he knew what was coming he knew um you know with covid and all this madness that's happening recently well let but me ask you this uh on covid and then i want to get back to your experience switching political parties or well philosophies and uh then i'll have to let you go but what do you think of the church? You know, you and I are in agreement that this COVID thing has gone way too overboard. What do you think, though, of President? I don't know if you caught President Oaks's talk yeah. at the BYU Education Week, where he was encouraging everybody to wear a mask because you know help slow down the COVID. Well, actually, in theory, yes, if you don't play around with your masks, but most people put their masks in their pocket, myself included, when I have to wear one. And I only wear one when I have to. Um, and people keep fidgeting with their masks. So uh, the masks don't work. Now, in theory, if you didn't play around with it, yeah, you have a 30% chance. But most people don't wear them the right way. And most people put them in their pocket. We can't go out and buy hundreds of masks every day. So what did you think 
of President Oaks encouraging people to wear masks at the BYU devotional. Yeah, so that's been really, to be honest, that has been a really hard thing for me to hear. Because if you listen, for example, Bed, is it Bednar? Yeah, Bednar. Not too long ago, he said, we'll never allow the government to take away our agency of having the freedom to meet as a church congregation kind of deal. Like, he yeah. was pretty, you know, strong about saying that wasn't okay, that they, you know, didn't make church um, uh, essential kind of deal, right? Yeah. So you have an artist, you know, seems to lean towards one way, and then you have Oaks that seems to lean towards another way. My point is, there's still people, they have political, you know, um, influences, etc. Um, I've wondered, though, I'm like, gosh, God, like, this is a big deal. You should just speak to them and tell them, you know, this is what's happening kind of deal. But I'm not God. Maybe he knows, like, he's like, uh, there's bigger things we need to worry about, etc. But I've been okay just letting people express how they feel, regardless of where you are in the leadership when it comes to politics, because everyone still has their opinion, right, yeah. um, uh, in, the, in the church. And I'm like, if that's how you feel, cool, chill, whatever. And if God feels like certain things don't need to be brought into the church quite yet, that, that's fine. Will it eventually? Oh, I believe, I believe eventually it will be. So, yeah, at this time. And also, I think it's hard to be a leader of the church and... Um, and also, because um, we were also told to abide, you know, the land of the law, the law of the lands, you know. Yeah. So I guess I, that's really tricky, but I do pay attention to each of them, how they speak about it. I know that also the churches and um, they try to uh, push away from speaking about politics, uh, much more so than, I don't know if you've listened to uh, Benson, um, his talk. Oh, yes. I'm very familiar with his retirement. He was very popular during that time to talk about politics, very open about it, told oh, yeah. exactly what was happening. I got to be honest. I wish President Benson would come back from the dead. I know, me too. I'm like, why don't why why won't anyone do this? You know, but maybe that was something they needed to hear at that time. Maybe somebody else will be doing that pretty soon. But I guess at this time, not so much. And they can just express how they feel. You know, each one of them about politics, etc. But I know where I stand. I know where God led me to get my information. And I know where truth is and I'm guided there. And, and I, I hope to share with people so they can know the importance of searching out truth and not being easily influenced by media. So, yeah, I do want to ask, uh, I do want to touch on something real quick. I think what you experienced, you talked about how you were more conservative than you realized when you started researching COVID and you thought Democrats were for the people. By the way, let me just make something clear. Uh, just because someone's a Democrat doesn't mean they're a bad person. One thing Glenn Beck did say that I agree with, there is a difference between your neighbor who is a Democrat as opposed to a Democrat in D.C., Yes, well said. So like I think he's right. But I think the problem is, uh, and by the way, there was a time, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I might have been a Democrat just because of the way I think about certain things. Mm -hmm. I probably would have been more of a conservative Democrat, but I think I would have been probably one of those blue dog Democrats who was fairly conservative on social issues, maybe a little bit more liberal on political issues. Uh, I, I could see myself being one of those people back then. 
So I don't want to be a Democrat basher, but I do think you and I, because I used to be a Democrat when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And I think you and I got caught up in identity politics. Mm -hmm. I'm blind. I must be a Democrat. I'm African-American. I must be a Democrat. Oh, the Democrats did this for me. Because I, I used to lobby for the blind community. And that's not to say we'll never do it again. I might, but I used to be a big, I used to be really into it. And I would lobby for a few years in a row, actually, in Washington, D.C. And it's true. Historically, the Democrats did do more for blind people than Republicans. Uh, not so much when I was doing it, but decades before. So I got caught up into identity politics a little bit. Uh, do you think that's what happened to you? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like, I mean, obviously, I saw the weak uh, the weakness from both parties. That was clear, yeah. to me, but I never really drove really far into it. But I really did think, yeah, like, well, if you're a minority, you should be you should vote Democrat. If you're a woman, uh, you you should vote Democrat. If you're poor, you you should vote Democrat. If you're a kind soul that cares about a human species, you should vote. Democrat. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um... When I, in 2003, right before I went to Washington, D.C., I put an, I had an email signature. So every email I would send, unless I was replying to somebody, my signature would say, let's go to Washington and send a message to those darn Republicans. I just lo- think about that and just laugh now. <laughs> yeah. And they both, they're both pretty, you know, they both, again, like, it's true, they both have their weaknesses, etc. And I love that you said also focus on conservativeness, not necessarily just the party itself. Um, By the way, for the record, Republicans in D.C. aren't that innocent either. Yeah, we even, we've seen even them, like, you yep. know. In fact, I'm more upset around. with them than the Democrats. I know, I know. Well, it's, oh, the question is, were they even a real Republican or conservative? Who knows? And I don't care. But I do care about the values. I do care yeah. what they stand for, et cetera. So that's where I lean towards, you know, I, I wish we, I wish we just had one party, the party of Americans, you know, kind of deal. Uh, I mean, we obviously need competition and so forth, but, um, but yeah, um, I love the values that conservatives uh, push on, you know, even working work ethics, you know, I'm a big, when it comes to that idea, you work hard, you, you reap your reward through, you know, as you work hard kind of deal. That's a very probably a conservative perspective where social Democrat or socialist or um, the left tends to lean on more of like government save me, uh, please uh, yeah. give me free handouts kind of deal. And you have all this money. Can't you just print out more money kind of deal? Like I have never been a fan of that. Never, you know? And no. so uh, the values really mean a lot to me of um, uh, people who are fighting for things like that, a place where we can be able to work hard and work our way up. You know, capitalism, that's what makes America great. And anyone that thinks, you know, obviously there's weakness with everything. There is weaknesses with capitalism too, but but it's way better than socialism, you know? And if you do your research, you would know that socialism doesn't work, never has, never will ever work because it's against the human um nature you know let me ask you a question though and this is a question i wrestle with and i'm fairly conservative Mm -hmm. people will tell me and i've never been to europe but i do know this you know people will tell me oh i i want socialism because it works in europe 
Number one, what would you say to that? But number two, I, I know back in the 80s and 90s, believe it or not, Western Europe, which was, still is, well, I don't know about now, but was more socialistic than the United States, but yet Western Europe, England, West Germany, France were really advanced technologically more so than we were in the eighties and nineties and they're socialistic countries. So what would you say to that? Cause it's something I wonder about. Yeah. Great question. So for example, the common one that people bring up today is Sweden. They're like, well, look at Sweden. Yeah. That's a socialist country. Well, that's not entirely true. Like it is a socialist, but not completely. It has capitalism within that particular uh, country too. It's not pure, pure socialism. That's where we see, horrible things happen. So in Sweden, you know, they still have the right to start a business and the right to be able to, you know, expound on it and uh, make a living, etc. A lot of the taxes does go to the government, but uh, they still have, uh, what is it called, free market. So that's where it gets, you know, that's where it becomes really, really uh, messy. So um, I even in our nation, we're not completely 100% capitalism, capitalist country. There's no such thing as 100% capitalist country. And that's good. Like there's some things I do feel that are okay, that we practice our, there's a little bit of socialist, right? Like for example, yeah. free education for our children. That's a very socialist perspective, right? It's our, we pay for kids to go to school. I mean, and some people are saying we should pay for college. I'm like, now you're pushing it too far kind of deal. Sweden does it though, but nevertheless, I don't think you should be doing that for college. But anyways, or maybe roads, right? We pay taxes on roads altogether as a community. So there are some concepts of socialism that I, that, you know, I agree with. And again, mm-hmm. our nation isn't completely uh, capitalist, uh, but it's when we start to swing too hard, right? On the, on the other edge, that that's where, where it becomes really dangerous. And that's where Hitler was going forward. And that's where the high left Democrats are hoping for a nation. And that's where we lose freedom of speech. That's where we, we lean more on the government. What you're saying is uh, Sweden and England and Germany have a hybrid of capitalism and socialism. And what we're doing in America is going too far one way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, when you go too far one way, that's where we start seeing the uh, negative side effects. That's where we see countries um, not succeed and uh, um, just negative outcomes. So, yeah. Well, uh, I'd love to talk to you more, but uh, I don't want this podcast to be too long. Let me just say this, or let me just ask you two more questions. Um, what is your favorite part about being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Um, okay. I was like, is question two coming too? But you want me to answer it first. Uh, gosh, probably the ability to actually get truth. I think uh, a lot of churches maybe, I know when we went to other churches as we were visiting other churches when I was younger, I remember just always having this idea of, there's a priest, he tells you what to do, kind of deal, and, you know, pay money, your sins are forgiven. But I love that our church really emphasizes on personal revelation, having that relationship with God. Uh, that's where you really can receive truth. I love having um, that knowledge that there's somebody that cares and loves us and can give us truth. That's always my big thing. Because if you look at earth, who defines truth? What is truth? You know, like, even when we look at different cultures, they think one thing is true. Another one thinks the exact opposite. So it's nice to have 
a being that um, can be able to tell you, hey, this is truth and this is why it's truth. And I will show you why it's truth. You can decide if you think it's truth kind of deal. So anyways, that's, that's yeah, quite So, so uh, do you have a calling? And if so, what? Uh, right now I am a, what is it? Missionary, one of those missionary people, <laughs> but, um, yeah. You're but a I, ward missionary I, or what? Yeah. Ward missionary. Sorry. Okay. So I just recently moved to our ward. Uh, was it? I can't even keep with this whole COVID thing. I seriously, I'm like, what is church? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what is a calling? What is a ministry? Like nothing is really happening. You know, I, I, I actually have missed, I've missed um, being with people and having Sunday school and having Relief Society. And I know I join it on Zoom, but it just doesn't, it's just not the same. Because when you're there, you can feel the spirit, you know, yep. people, it's manifest to you. And even though Zoom people may say beautiful things and, and it, it, you feel it, but it's just not the same. So I agree. Yeah, I, I will say uh, not attending church has brought my spirits down a little bit. I, I will admit to that. Not as bad as if I didn't attend at all on Zoom, but it's, yeah, you're right. It's not the same. Yeah. Except for me, I've been able to focus a little bit more on reflection than usual. Mm. all right well uh before we end this podcast is there anything else you want to talk about i can't think of anything is there anything you'd like to talk about well just stay with me uh when we finish this podcast because i have a couple questions but anyway folks i uh next week jeanette finicum is coming on the podcast another person who i wanted to interview and another reason why i started this whole podcast well, so I could interview Jeanette Finnicum. So she will be on next week. In the meantime, I will talk to you later, folks.